0: I concluded that we can't, we can't fully protect the environment, we can't fully protect habitat and wildlife and biodiversity, those my, my core loves, until we get this diversity equity inclusion thing right. And once we, when we do that, the, the promise of DEI is that we will reach a higher level of success that we've never reached before. Um, so when we talk about, like a lot of people are talking about these visions of, like what's our environment going to look like in 2050 and beyond. Yeah. Um, those visions, they keep on talking about the environment, they don't talk about the, the the racial diversity, equity, inclusion and needs that's mandatory to go hand in hand to be able to even reach that, that vision. And if we do that, we will reach that vision and it will go beyond that. Like that's the beauty of this work, especially if you're doing inclusion, right, is you don't know. You, you don't know what the final outcome or the final product, whatever your work on, is gonna be if you do it right, because you're trying to pull everybody's strengths and perspectives and uniqueness. That's gonna drive uh, something bigger and better and more expansive and innovative than we have ever imagined.
1: Welcome to the Hardwood Podcast, a program dedicated to sharing ideas, thoughts, and voices of respected professionals in environmental studies that care about diversity, equity, and inclusion. They all have lived and have work experiences that add to their outlook and understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we on The Hardware Podcast are committed to sharing the voice as well as making space for others to ponder our dialogues. And on today's episode, we have Marcelo Bonta, founder of Jedi Heart, stands for justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, college graduate, diversity facilitator, and a lover of people. So sit back, relax, or continue to ride and enjoy learning how Marcelo understands diversity and how he believes that this should be not just a fundamental value, but a fundamental value for a number of agencies and different institutions. And as always, I ask you to send your thoughts and feedback to thomas.easley at yale.edu. To let us know if you have ideas of speakers or future topics that we need to cover on the Hardwood Podcast. Greetings, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is when you are hearing this. I am happy to be back on and up. Uh, this is Dr. Thomas Rashad Easley uh, here with the Heartwood Podcast. And uh, I definitely have a special guest. Uh, but before I introduce uh, my friend, I just want to uh, say I hope that people who are listening are safe and healthy. Uh, this is definitely uh, a challenging and interesting time with the COVID-19. i let you also know seriously that you're those um, you, uh, that I know, you know, that you're in my thoughts, if you've been negatively impacted by this, uh, I definitely know of some people who, who have been. And so uh, we hope that as we continue to bring uh, different sessions in Heartwood, we can uh, bring you something that's encouraging, motivating, uh, uplifting, and uh, elevating, but still educational. Okay. Which is why I'm excited today uh, to talk uh, to, I, re- I really like to say, you know, colleague in this work, you know, but definitely like like a mentor if you've read any of, of his work. Uh, and um, I, I, I don't want to ruin a bad introduction, but I'm just going to say that this this individual has been doing work in DEI for for quite some time and uh, has gone off on his own to even start his own initiative uh, that is entitled Jedi Heart, which we will definitely get Get into, and I've personally watched him uh, lead sessions of multiple diversity officers, watching him educate uh, on online before, and so uh, this is definitely a treat. Uh, we are definitely uh, going to learn some things, but I also think we're going to have some fun. So, everyone, I'm mm-hmm. talking to the one and only Marcelo Banta, and I am mm-hmm. so glad that you uh, agreed to let me um, interview you here on the Hardwood Podcast. What is going mm-hmm. on, Marcelo?
0: Not much, man. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me to be on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I'm just excited to share uh, a little bit about my experience and uh, my two decades of doing this work of diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, before we get started, I, I, just, oh. I just connected. Why, I have this question for you. I know you okay. want to interview me, but going, I got a question for you. Why, okay. how did you get the title? Heartwood, Heartwood Podcast.
1: Well, actually, I got to get so it's it's really a friend of mine. Uh, his name is uh, Mark McGallus, Doctor Mark McGallus. He's at yeah. NC State, and he he uh, this is about five years ago. So he and I he served on this uh, diversity committee uh, that that I led back at NC State in the College of Natural Resources,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he, you know, started saying like he saw a couple of my videos, you know, like my music videos, and he saw a couple of my interviews on television. Mm-hmm. And he said, "You know what, Thomas." Because uh, and podcasting was really starting to get big at that time, yeah. you know, just like 2015. He said, yeah. Thomas, you know, I think we should have a, a podcast, mm-hmm. and you know, and you should be the host. And I thought, okay, he said, mm-hmm. and he's a forester too, just like me. And he was they like, it, and I think you know, he said, I think we should call it the Heartwood podcast. Yeah. And I said, You might mean the dead part of the tree, you know, like, <laughs> you know. And he was like, Well, no, it's more a play on words, yeah, you know, it's like yeah. you know, actually, you know, like using it and saying that maybe, uh, you know, what well, actually that's all he said, it's a play on words, and then mm-hmm. I. Over the years, thought about, okay, we're going to deal with the intersections, you know, of where diversity, equity, inclusion, maybe even access, uh, you know, intersects with, you know, for me, I'll say forestry, but environmental Mm. science, environmental movements, environmental justice, could be fisheries and wildlife, natural Mm. resources, parks and recreation, you know, all of these fields that are, um, you know, I I use a federal term that uh, where is very underrepresented. You know, oh, yeah. but these uh, wow. spaces are also, if you look at our back, you know, like our backgrounds and our histories, we have a lot mm-hmm. of um, ancestral connection. And so that's what mm-hmm. I like to say. It's uh, it's uh, it, these other fields to intersect with those other parts of people. And then mm-hmm. how do they bring mm-hmm. that into their work? You know, so I've mm-hmm. had people like uh, Chris Webby, you know, who's an actual um, um, internationally known hip hop artist here, mm-hmm. uh, my own supervisor, the Dean of the school of uh, forestry and environmental studies soon to be the school mm-hmm. of the environment, Indy Burke, um, uh, and uh, we we will have the interview up soon once we get back to work. But we also had the Planet Walker, Dr. John Francis, on here. So mm. you know, so 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 we've had you know, so that's why it's great to have you on here because we just had amazing leaders in this work yeah. and uh, you know mm. in this field and uh, you know from multiple backgrounds. And so mm. the Hardwood Podcast, I think, kind of encompasses that to say mm.
0: all the hardwood. Mm. Well, I, I've, I feel really honored uh, to be on here. So I appreciate it. So I was just making the connection, Heartwood Podcast, and then my, my blog slash business, Jedi Heart. So mm. I was just started making the heart connection.
1: Yep. Oh, that's right. Hey, two hearts come together. That's, that's <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's yes. Oh, that's, that's smooth. Right, that's oh, right. Oh, man, see? Look at that. It's totally smooth. Come on, see, you can tell it's been a minute since I've done the interview. You done already got me on my thing. See, you already, <laughs> already did it. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, uh, Marcel, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy to, to have you on because, um, you know, i mean, like, I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm the assistant dean um, uh, for community and inclusion at the Yale School of Forestry mm-hmm. and Environmental Studies. And I know that you mm-hmm. have a Yale connection that maybe we'll talk about. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You know, but being that you help people do this work, to me, I see you more as a sage, more as a resource, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to come to. And so I, I really would like to learn a little bit more about you in this interview too, as well as learn from you. So I'd like to start with just asking you, you know, like, tell me about, you know, where you're from uh, if you don't mind and just, and maybe even what's significant about that contributing to, you know, how you do this work, you know, but just like some things about your background if you don't mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great question. Where should I start? So, um, yeah so 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 i'm ga- i'm gonna start uh a little bit further back uh than I thought I would be in talking talking here today so I was born in uh, Bakersfield california uh back in the early seventies, and this was a time when my you um, you're probably asking why Bakersfield of all places my parents so my mom's uh filipina and and my dad is uh white. American with some uh, Dutch and Scotch Irish background. So they were both working for the farm worker labor movement at that time, so the early 70s. And at that time, at that time it was um, Mexican laborers and Filipino laborers hand in hand that not many people know the beginning of that labor movement was Filipinos and Mexicans coming together Um, And then eventually they 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 merged and they eventually diverged uh, Went their separate ways and it continued to be a kind of Mexican American Mexican labor movement But at the early stages, it was a Filipino, too. So so I when I was born I came home uh, to we lived about two or three trailers down from Cesar Chavez's home. So I would like to think, yeah, yeah I don't remember anything though. I, we, we moved when I was a year and a half, right when I could start remembering things, but I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. But okay. I'd, like think, I'd like to think that I, uh, through osmosis, I absorbed, I absorbed some social justice and uh, advocate uh, advocacy, social advocacy type of. Uh, Piece to my work, but but actually, in fact, it was it was um, it, it, a lot of the work from me thinking about uh, race, racial diversity, racial equity, and justice. Really stemmed from a lot of my parents, uh, the influence that they've had. My my father um, um, also marched in the um, uh, marched in in Alabama at the civil rights movement. Okay. Um, yeah. So he was a he and my mom met in uh, seminary school. He was he was a reverend. Um, my mom uh, was very very active in the Filipino American community in mm-hmm. Sacramento. Like my whole life, I grew up after Bakersfield. We moved. We moved to a few other places, but my mm-hmm. my hometown is Sacramento, California. Okay. Um, so so I was surrounded by that uh, my whole life. And then while that was happening, while my mm-hmm. family life was kind of social justice oriented. Mm -hmm. I, um, and racial justice oriented, um, Mm -hmm. I had this deep love for the environment, especially wildlife and and, in habitat, like I would spend hours on days like, like, my, when I say I go out, I'm going to go out and play. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I'd go like pick up rocks, stare at. Ants and pill bugs and watch you know the roly pulleys roll up and unroll. I'd mm. I'd stare at squirrels. Um, it was like, the backyard. Um, the backyard was my 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 window to nature. So that's that's kind of where two of my interests kind of merged uh, around uh, habitat, wildlife conservation, and then social justice. And I did I didn't really know that that's how later on in life my career was going to unfold. Um, okay. I always thought, hey, I'm gonna gonna go protect the environment. I'm gonna go work on biodiversity uh, conservation, which is where I got my advanced degree. And I'm just gonna hang out with wildlife and and hopefully get paid to monitor them and just stare at them and take notes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and actually my favorite job in graduate school was uh, monitoring endangered piping plovers and other threatened bird species along the Massachusetts coastline. Uh, it was that's like that was like heaven for me. Just hang out, okay. watch, observe, take notes, monitor. Um, but but one thing one thing led to another. So after grad school in the early two thousands, I um I started uh, working at a national conservation organization, and I immediately found out I was the only person of color working on. Uh, the whole conservation staff across the country, and that just led me on this journey of uh, first of all asking why, why, why am I the only? And then, and then when I I, I connect and uh, to to other organizations, and when I go to workshops and conferences, both locally in Oregon and across the country, I continue to 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 bump in to other onlys or only other fews, other, the only people of color, the few people of color in these other conservation organizations. And mm-hmm. that just led one thing to another, some broader conversations and exploration as to, as to continue asking why this happening, what can we do? And, and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a new or novel thing or concern when I got into the movement. It was just an ongoing conversation and observation from some white people and people of color. What's going on with our movement? Why aren't we more racially diverse? and so um after after that my stint at that organization in two thousand and four, I left and with this idea um, or this actually i wasn't fully committed yet because I was still exploring, but um i I concluded that we can't we can't fully protect the environment we can't fully protect habitat and wildlife and biodiversity those are my, my core loves until we get this diversity equity inclusion thing right and once we when we do that the the promise of dei is that we will reach a higher level of success that we've never reached before mm. um so when we talk about like a lot of people are talking about these visions of, like what's our environment going to look like in 2050 and beyond yeah.
1: um
0: those visions they keep on talking about the environment they don't talk about the 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 racial diversity, equity, inclusion needs that's mm-hmm. mandatory to go hand in hand to be able to even reach that that vision. And if we do that, we will reach that vision and it will go beyond that. Like that's the beauty of this work, especially mm-hmm. if you're doing inclusion right, is you don't know you, you, you don't know what the final outcome or the final product, whatever your work on is gonna be if you do it right, because you're trying to pull everybody's strengths and perspectives and uniqueness that's going to drive uh, something bigger and better and more expansive and innovative that we have ever imagined. Mm. Um, so, so I'll stop there. there. There's more to my story, but that's kind of like yeah. where these, these interests have merged and why I'm now fully committed and, and have been for the past like 15, you could argue, two decades uh, of, of really focusing in this diversity, equity, inclusion space and in environmental movement. But see, that's
1: powerful, though, because you shared, you know, a lot from childhood on up and then, you know, then you touched on grad school and then coming from California, you know, I just, um, I, 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 well, there's a question that I wasn't planning to ask, but now it just kind of came up, you know, in conversation, yeah. you know, um, you know, mentioning how so many people have these visions or, you know, around the environment. Yet we still have this DEI work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about sometimes maybe the homogenous spaces that these conversations are ha- are, are like happening, in, in in some ways. And so, you as an individual coming across the U.S., you know, was there something that were there any things as it relates to diversity that you noticed differently in Massachusetts or the hmm. East Coast versus the West Coast? You know, and yeah. did any of that also? Uh, inform some of your thinking or
0: implementation
1: around this kind of work. You know, hopefully that's not like a yeah, too, no, that's question. Okay. Well,
0: that's a great question. I have actually I haven't actually really thought about that. Yeah. So so yeah, growing up in Sacramento in California, California boy, North Cowboy until his age eighteen. Mm-hmm. And then um moving across country to to going to Yale for the you know being living in on the east coast for the first time as an undergrad and then spending about nine years in in the northeast so okay so one of my biggest observations just just kind of you're talking about just culturally and and mm-hmm. life yeah so, yeah so west coast um strong uh latino and in asian populations um and and also like one thing if you talk if you say latino or latinx uh first people People conclude are, are Mexicans, Mexican Americans. Huge Mexican population in California. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, that's that's where, in my experience, you find the best Mexican food in the U.S. I can't eat Mexican <laughs> food anywhere else. It's just not, it's just not not good, not authentic. That's so. That's one thing. I, I went, moved to the Northeast, and I realized um, uh, bur- people are paying for this burrito. I think you should pay me to eat it. Um, so so besides being a Mexican food snob. Uh, and the, the other thing is that going to to the northeast, um, uh, really strong and and large uh, black and African American population, and and, and black mm-hmm. black immigrant like from Caribbean and from African, like all like diversity of of blackness was yes. introduced to me. Um, mm-hmm. When people would say Latin Latinx, they they would for mainly refer to Puerto Rican first. So mm, I'm like, oh, I gotta gotcha. get like, why Puerto? Rico? Oh, there's a lot of Puerto Rican stuff. So so, mm. so, so, there was this um, entering into the East Coast of the Northeast entered um, another another culture um, mm. within the United States, and what it was, what it was showing me, and I loved it. I was immersed. Okay. I was like, okay. You know, in college, I was just going, um, I was going to the the FM parties. I met my wife. She's mm. she's Jamaican. I got recruited by the um, Latino fraternity. And even though I'm like, you know, I'm not Latino, but, and, and, and although some people do mistake that. Um, and um, so, I, so I, I loved it. I love being immersed. And I guess what I'm actually concluding from this question is it really, mm-hmm. part of this really spoke to me, um, is, is that I realized that I could be um, culturally agile. I could mm. move in and out of these different communities, um, sub-communities, however you want to see it, and, mm-hmm. and be able to relate and connect and build really strong relationships. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, it, it didn't, you know, on one hand, it didn't matter, but, but it was more of a, when there was cultural differences, I, mm-hmm. I realized it was a pull for me to explore and connect and share and learn about mm-hmm. um, what are these, these cultural differences and, where, and also mm-hmm. the cultural connections. Because the other thing is like mm-hmm. the Philippines, I always seen as this Southeast Asian country culture, but it was conquered by the Spanish and by mm-hmm. the US. So it has a lot more culturally connected to, to, to or at least in my upbringing and, um, and, and the customs we followed, had a mm-hmm. lot more connections to the Spanish culture mm-hmm. than than other Asian cultures. Um, mm. So so, and then as I con- connected to more Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, Dominicans, I'm like, oh, you know, we, w- the, the, our Tagalog word is very similar to that Spanish word. Um, oh, you 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 make that food. We make something similar. It's the exact same thing, but we call it mm-hmm. like picadillo. We call it something else. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so 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 you you got me rolling. Like it because it, it, I think in this work um, and part of working with individuals, especially uh, emerging, what I call emerging DEI change agents that um, I, I tap and connect to within organizations and really uplift their um, their skills or their basic foundation to be able to grow is is this idea. I'm I'm using the term right now cultural agility, but people who are able to to walk along the edges um, mm-hmm. and do it success, like, su- successfully in a way that like, they're still connecting and owning that. They may not know they're, they're walking along these edges of cultures and going in and out, mm-hmm. um, but what does that look like and how, how do you do that work? Uh, mm-hmm. And really, those that's a lot of the basis of a, a lot of the work I try to support and, and engage, especially on that individual level, which, which then feeds into feeds into the team and the organization and the movement change.
1: Okay. Now, so so now, now you mentioned how having thank you for a- answering that. Yeah. Now you 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 mentioned that, you know, when you started working up I, I apologize I forgot the uh, you know with the agency but you noticed I'm the only one in the country, you know. And then mm-hmm. that is uh you know, you know maybe that other times when questions start popping, why is this happening? You yeah. know, and I'm just curious. I'd like to uh you know, actually like what other uh, you know, I, I assume that that is what kind of fueled you. Well, I think that's what you said, like, you know, that that's kind of like some of the genesis that got you into, you know, doing this work now. You know, but what other experiences, you know, have you had or or maybe you might even call them um, significant moments in your life, you know, that, um, you know, that fueled the work that you do? Yeah. I'll say like that fuel or uh, one may say inform, but I really say fuel, you know, yeah. what, what motivates you? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean there's two things. One one I'll I'll share a little bit more in depth about that experience um, of being the only. It it just it was horrible. It it was it was the one of the worst experiences of my life. Definitely the worst experience of my professional career. Um, and it, you know it because it, it was it was something I was young and and, and also what I call a DEI baby. I, I was young in terms of diversity equity inclusion I had these feelings I know I knew what I was feeling was like what how I was being treated was wrong but I didn't know I didn't have the language or the mindset or wherewithal to understand what that was and to put it into words mm-hmm. um, okay. and that was really frustrating and I know and that and, and one thing in this work that I do is I, 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 I try I, I try to help support people and develop in to grow into um, that that pathway of getting to that next stage of being able to be able to claim and understand what's going on with me and around me and be able to talk about it um, and talk about it that, that where where there could be some some um, some good solutions or next steps that could that could support my experience as well as people of color so first of all that, that experience um, so um, and a lot of it a lot of it stemmed from institutional racism with within the organization and I want to say that in in that and the reason why I don't name the organization is because the same culture is in almost all I would say all but you know I haven't been in all but um almost all of the mainstream environmental and conservation organizations at that time Mm -hmm. uh and it's and it's just really reflects the challenge of of the movement and uh, the organization or conservation organizations as a whole so very trying there were, and there was also some explicit racism I was I was exposed to um, like like terminology like claim, talking about my Asian community as little orientals
1: um,
0: yeah and uh, and then also like this this weird well I shouldn't say weird it's just interesting it still happens a lot today I talk to people of color but this behavior of me being in meetings, I am I just graduated from grad school around okay. conservation biology. I have the latest knowledge and theories. And this is, you know, this is the time where conservation biology is still emerging. It's, it's okay. It's, got you. It's, you yep, know, yep. it's still like mm-hmm. in the nineties and early two thousands. So I, yep, I when yep. I went to school and I got to grad school, there was only one conservation biology course and it was just starting. Um, okay. and now people can get PhDs and you know degrees in the whole the whole area so so i had the latest knowledge and and i suggest and share things in in, for the benefit of the work on conservation and the the my boss would always ignore it and then but uh when the second in command would say the exact same thing then she would pay attention to it right So, so so yeah, so, so so it was just like really, but you know, I started to realize like, okay, if I want my, I, you know, this is where it's. I started learning. You gotta, you gotta, code switch. You gotta work the system. You gotta under if you, you gotta, if you understand the system, then you can work it. So then I started later on in my time there. Noted that I'm still gonna suggest things, but I'll talk to the second in command before we go into the meeting, and um, and just know if he suggests it, that that it will move through. So. Gotcha. um Right. So, so I was still able to get my ideas through for the benefit of the work, but, um, but credit wasn't necessarily going to me.
1: So, yeah. So you basically are figuring out how to navigate yeah. these spaces, yeah. but take care of yourself at the same time.
0: Yeah, it still sucks, but right, it still was horrible, because <laughs> I wasn't getting credit, like, so it was just kind of like, so yeah. I had, I was in conflict with my, I had internal conflict where it's like, okay, I love the work, I'm going to move it forward. The work right. itself is, is a dream job. The, like, I would, yeah. I I wouldn't want to do anything else at that time. Going out of grad school, the work itself was a dream the the work the office culture was was a nightmare so, so i wasn't getting what i needed especially as a young person trying to na- make a name for himself in the in the whole um movement i wasn't getting any credit in um and and that and there was other things going on with with my boss that um that uh just other leadership it styles that i had real conflict with which also i mean it also gets into the inclusion or exclusion way way of doing Things so, so, so I wanted to share like this experience of being the only person of color. Really, that that initially was a strong, really, really strong driving force. To um, because I'm just like, this is a horrible experience, and I'm bumping into other people of color who have similarly bad experience. Not all, but mm-hmm. but similarly bad, or even worse. Some better, some worse than mine, mm-hmm. and that's wrong. That should not happen. And on a on a personal level, in terms of treating people of color that way, that shouldn't happen. And then and then it's just it's, it's such an irresponsible way of doing things. If you're trying to protect the environment, like why do you treat some certain people some way and not? And you know, and you're investing in the skill and talent of these individuals as they come in, and you're not utilizing them or uplifting them to their full potential. So you're hurting your own mission by doing that as well, right? Mm. So, um, oh, mm-hmm. so 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 there's so th- so that is so that, that piece that was a driving force, but I'm able to talk about it now as I look back and I, I continually analyze and pull things out, but mm-hmm. at that time I was just like uh, like that's how I was uh, that's how I was. Uh, 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 mm. You know, I felt it, I didn't know how to say anything. So that was yeah. one driving force. And then, and then the second driving force experience was um, right around that time, um, like in two thousand three, my first daughter was born, Um, and then two thousand six, my second daughter was born, and me as as a like I was so giddy with um, um, raising these new new. New new entities in my life. These new 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 life forms. These new children. These new new people. And, and really getting the opportunity. Like how 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 could I be a green dad, mm-hmm. right? And expose them to the outdoors and in um, hiking. So so one thing um, I found was first of all is that my my daughters are really um, into and connected to like anything green or like they were just soaking it up. Uh, and our favorite thing to do as a family is to hike. It's so just just to go hiking okay. ever since the kids were little and even now um so so this le- so so that that experience my children led me you know like for me a, a lot of other parents when all of a sudden you know life shifts when you have like especially your first child and you start mm-hmm. thinking differently oh my gosh like it's not just about me or just me and my spouse or it's it's now someone actually depends on me <laughs> <laughs> which could be scary um yeah. right and and so for me it was like okay well these little children are um just a whole new being of a mix of me and my wife um J- B- jamaican so black jamaican half filipino half white so 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 I'm half Filipino, half white. So they'll half mm-hmm. Jamaican, <laughs> quarter Filipino, mm-hmm. quarter white. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it just it dawned on me. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if they love and everything green in the environment? So what if they want to follow in the environmental movement? I'm like, and and I got I was just like, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't want them to have that horrible experience. experience but yeah. Yeah, but then, I, but then I'm like, that's that's horrible. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be, you know, not encouraging them to do it. I should mm-hmm. be encouraging them. So what is my role as a parent? And my role as a parent is trying to set them up for success in the future. So to set them up for success in the future, that mm-hmm. means I got to do my darndest to support and advance the environmental movement to get to this whole nother level and stage. So, so it created this, another sense of urgency, mm-hmm. um, and and even and even if they don't decide to do a full career in the environment they they they're, they're going to engage in outdoors or recreation or something nature-wise anyway so they're going to interact mm-hmm. with the movement mm-hmm. so so i got to i got to do my i got to do my thing in the environmental movement in advance it. and in in addition to it it's like their generation the Z generation, I guess is what they're calling yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yes. mm-hmm. The most most diverse, racially diverse generation we've ever seen in this country. And they're, they're already over 50% people of color. The US yeah. Census Bureau sh- shared that. They're, so they're living out, this, most of yeah. them, I know there's still areas of segregation and stuff, but more, yeah. more likely they're living this world, um, uh, 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 a more inclusive, well, I should, not necessarily, I shouldn't conclude inclusive, but a more, mixed and interconnected world than any of us have grown up into. Sure. So how mm-hmm. do we set not only set up my girls for success, but set up their whole generation for success. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. these are these are the these are, this are the generations going to lead us in in t- I mean a lot of them are leading us now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Kids, yeah. kids are leading mm-hmm. on the climate change space and they're gonna be they're gonna continue to lead in being more powerful positions over the next mm-hmm. 10, 20 or so years.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, so how do we help set that up and support them and support the wow. movement as we're doing it?
1: Yeah, I like I, I, I like that perspective. You, you made me think about because uh, I come from a civil rights family that mm-hmm. was um, you know really active in the movement. You know, I guess as your you know as your parents were, mm-hmm. and um, you know sometimes I I, I like the, the the perspective that you're coming with. You know, how do I help to set up help set them up for a success, but then the movement for success? And then I sometimes wonder how my parents, who were you know really in, Definitely involved in civil rights movement, fought for the right to vote, went to jail and things like that. Mm. You know, how do they feel? Wow. I guess knowing that their son is still doing, mm. you know, some of this work. It's definitely not as hard as it was, you know, like for them, obviously, because because of what they did, I'm able to live the way that I live and be where, yeah. where I am. Yeah. But to know that the same thing that you were fighting back then, that the equity was still based on color and still based on identity, and like, I oh, know he's he, now he fighting this now, you know. And I just wonder how they feel, you know, like just, you know, like knowing that, uh, you know, like you said, you know, that there there have been movements fighting for this. And they've been moving just in different ways and in different areas and in different times. And then here we are, you know, uh, doing it, but doing it from this perspective. And see, that's what I like. I mean, well, you know, that's what I'm just thinking about my parents, because I don't know if they had it, if they had Mm. that that perspective because of just how bad it was. Yeah. You know, yeah. back then, you know, because um, yeah. I feel like they more so tried to, pre- and I know you're you're doing it too. So I'm not saying that you're not. I'm just yeah. Yeah. it was more yeah. of a protection for yeah. me. I feel than my yeah. involvement in in it, or just in case it was more like protecting and keeping me away from things. So I, I just yeah. think that's that's a powerful yeah. outlook, you know, for yeah. for your children.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, we, just to, just to, the, to piggyback on that, like one thing that. Um, I struggle with coming from parents, you know, who are socially active, social justice activists. Um, one thing my mom didn't do is she, she didn't teach us kids Tagalog, you know, the, the dialects from the main dialect from the Philippines. And in part, um, and this is what a lot of pressure immigrants in general have. And and for my mom as an Asian immigrant was, um, you know, she wanted us to be, to just speak English we do spoke, spoke English in the house and be well versed in, in English and mm-hmm. and to assimilate you know so um, and I don't falter for it I, it's just something I struggle mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. I grapple with I wish I was um, Tagalog. and because I still also get looks and questions like like sometimes white people are talking to me in Tagalog they've, they've learned it I'm like I'm sorry I don't I don't I know a few words I don't I'm not well-versed mm-hmm. in it right gotcha. um yeah 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 so, so just so, you know one of those internal things you know that that we struggle with as 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 uh, a lot of people of color these tension points that that we need to, that we struggle with of mm-hmm. fitting in not fitting in why things happened um um yeah it you know and it one one thing i want to also follow up with you on is like like one thing the the um The one thing I'm really grateful for and the benefit we have for our generation is, Mm. is we have access and we could work within, right? We can work within organizations. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, back, you know, generation or two ago, it was more of like from the outside. What can, what can we do to to pressure or move, so so I, I actually mm-hmm. one of the the successful ways, and, and I know you're you're eager to ask me this this question around what are some successful ways of doing this work, and some yes. of the most successful ways I've seen is is kind mm-hmm. of this inside outside game. So it's like having relationships, like DEI consultants, knowing what's going hap- happening. Can, is it, can you still hear me oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. i'm just'm I'm okay. typing
1: okay oh, okay yeah.
0: oh, okay is um, is is having some pressure or some just dialogue or influence from the outside, uh, whether it be social justice organizations or an organization that I helped start called the Center for Diversity in the Environment that kind of just speaks at that that movement level of hey here 's what needs to happen while while folks like um, like you and other staff members, staff members of color uh there's way more dei directors and managers than there's ever been in our environmental Mm. movement history which is wonderful Mm -hmm. um and so how do you work and other folks of color who are trying and and white allies move the work internally Mm -hmm. um so i've seen some really um, um um successful movement forward with having having that approach
1: okay well, I, I mean, I think this is that's a good segue into asking you about you know this this grand initiative you know that I've read and check up on, uh, Jedi Heart. Jedi Heart. You know, Heart. I mean, you yeah. know, here here, I mean, could, because you just mentioned the center, you know, and I've been I was reading resources from them when I was at NC State. Yeah. And here you are, you've launched uh, your own, you know, here with Jedi Heart. You know, like what what contributed to you doing that, and what, and I, I also just like to know, you know, like what what can you share, you know, with us from it.
0: Yeah. Well, here, here, I've got to share the screen of, um, the, the, the website blog site. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, yeah, so, so Jedi Heart, um, is, is both a consultancy and, and a blog. So it started out as this blog, this idea, uh, that continued to emerge. Um, a lot of things, I'm really spiritual and, um, I'm a Christian, so I do a lot of, um, listening prayer and just want to follow what God has planned for me and just let you know, like, I wouldn't be doing this work if God didn't lead me in this way. I fought it. I had my Jonah moment where I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to start an organization. I don't want to do going the away work. Right. I just, yeah, I just want to, I just want to hang out. I just want to hang out with piping clovers and cougars and wolves. Right. I, I don't want to do, I don't want to do this. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know, you know, I'm not interested in it. Um, but over time, I learned to be, to love it, to to love this work, and and to listen to where God's leading me next. So, one of those things was, hey, um, start writing about this work, and yeah. and I'm like, I'm not a writer. I don't. I'm not excited about. It. I hate. I used to hate writing. Uh, I still have anxiety around. Writing. Writing, right? Um, but I just felt like in my heart, like, hey, this is the next space to, you know, start writing about it. Um, I've been, I've been lucky to gain a lot of experiences and, and wisdom in the space, being able to do DEI work in the environmental movement full time, really, mm-hmm. for the last 15 years uh, mm-hmm. in one role or, or one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing that, it's like a lot of people I work with, it's, it's um, more and more are now being able to do it or have the, like, people are being paid to be able to do it. Full time but um but uh, over like the early days in the 2000s it was like people can go to a talk or a training to be able to talk about the work but then they go back to their workplace and not able to talk about it so Mm -hmm. so one thing was first of all the idea of the blog came came up with hey there's a lot of um a lot of the articles and and blogs and things that talk about diversity, equity, inclusion in the environmental movement, they keep on saying the same things. I was finding the same message. Um, hey, like, first, like, bashing the environmental movement, you're still white, why aren't you, you know, diverse? And then also, why, also maybe, why is it important to become more diverse, equitable, inclusive as, as an environmental movement? Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the main messages in one way or another. Like, I started seeing more and more articles, which are great, but it's the same message. So So it made me think, like, like you, you started in your position about four, how many years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, so really in the last five years, have there been more and more, and that, and that position was new to the Yale mm-hmm. School of Forestry, right? Yeah. Right. So a lot of these, these DEI manager, director positions um, have have been, most of them been new, like really in the last five years um and there's been an uptick of consultants in this space so so i was like you know yes doing the shaming might work i don't like that approach first of all but doing the shaming could help some put pressure on themselves to do the work and and really exploring why dei is important that's always important um right right and and it's only talking to organizations at the beginning stages or trying to convince them to start. So my question was, what resources, what's out there for groups and uh, DEI managers and directors like yourself that have that have been doing that? They they already started. They developed their why. It's important to them that now what's the next stage? You know, Mm -hmm. we're actually doing this work now and it's not it's not this clear, linear (laughs) from a to c um Mm -hmm. trying to meet this large vision there's this messiness and things don't go smoothly and um and individuals are shifting and changing in and out of the organization and in Mm -hmm. and out of the board um so how do what does that mean to do that work like like because i felt like a lot of um dei point people um were um like there there wasn't enough movement yet that we were all connected which is it's it's we're getting more and more towards that stage but a lot of what mm-hmm. i found out was right. the di point people were feeling alone and then mm. they they felt mm. like they're reinventing the will by themselves it's mm. like no no mm. you don't have to reinvent the wheels by yourselves and there are actually rookie mistakes that, that you need to avoid that mm. you'll probably that if, if you're not connecting or with others then um you may you 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 will most likely make those mistakes so long story short blog is is was provided to be that space for folks in the middle stages of this work Mm -hmm. Um, so the blogs there and then um so i started writing more in that space so and then the consultancy side which actually i've been doing like these consult dei consultancy services trainings um, helping with dei strategies statements helping on the organizational level connected to the individual change and leadership and agency work i've been doing Mm -hmm. that in one role or another for the past 15 years from okay um helping start an organization called the Center for Diversity and Environment, where a lot of that work is done and it's being led by this awesome person, Ketha Gonzalez, who I, I worked hand in hand with for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I also started the Environmental Professionals of Color Network uh, in about 2005. Mm-hmm. Part of it was a selfish reason because I was like, I need to, ha- I need to hang out with POC. So how, how do I make it official? We keep on bumping at each other and say we're going to meet, but we never meet. So i going to make a time and place. It started out in Portland, but then now it's expanded uh, more right. across the uh-huh. Um. So so and then I also had I had a short stint as a funder helping start uh, um, a new environmental program with equity as its focus. Mm-hmm. Then and then I had a short stint also at, as a at a, um, a national firm, the Raven Group, they're the ones You're who launched Green right. 2.0. So yeah. so, so the, the consultancy itself is a culmination of all these experiences wrapped in, and, and the blog itself, all these experiences mm-hmm. that I've had um, wrapped into um, helping support where we need to go next and helping support others around where they need to go next. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so those are a lot of my services. And I give, I, I like to work at that movement level too, as well mm-hmm. as the organizational and individual where it's helping. I like to always see what's going on around the movement so I could share and let people know what's going on, just like what's going on with the, in the time of coronavirus and COVID-19, what's going on mm-hmm. with the DEI work. Um, mm-hmm. And in short, what I'm finding is is it's still moving forward, which is yeah. wonderful because some, I was afraid of some places um uh letting it go letting it go because they don't see it as integral to their work uh mm-hmm. which i actually saw in in 2008 when uh, our economy the yeah, yeah the dei start, went away for a lot of environmental organizations so mm-hmm. so that's one piece of good news but it looks differently it looks different and it should you know mm-hmm. the way dei should should be it should um be able to flex and shift in in change depending on what's going on externally uh to the organization as well as internally Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of that's where jedi heart is um and 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 the the name coming back to because it's heartwood um Mm -hmm. you know my tagline is is it's navigating justice equity diversity diversity, inclusion inclusion. with love and the heart connects to that love piece and Mm -hmm. um and i just want to share that any time I have intentionally or reminded myself to include love in this work, mm-hmm. I've found breakthroughs and have advanced 100% of the time, it's, it's never yep, failed yep. for me. What's mm-hmm. wh- when it fails is when I don't and I start mm-hmm. getting immersed in you know my own ego or what you should be doing and judgment. Um, mm-hmm. But it's when I take a step back and say like, okay, I need to love and bring love into this space, into this relationship even into this conversation with someone that may be making some missteps and from there is where i have always seen moving forward so so that's kind of the basis okay. of why it's called jedi heart and uh, the around love yeah i
1: i, I think he just uh, dropped the mic uh, everyone um i think uh, that's that's uh, that's that's an affirmative so I just want to mm-hmm. let you all know that because you just answered the rest of the questions that I had. <laughs> I, know, I can just <laughs> say love.
0: If you just answer any question, I'll say love, love. The answer is love. The answer is love. Or when things go wrong, the answer is when there's no love.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, as a person of the same faith, I definitely uh, agree because I think that that's, uh, I tell people... Uh, you know, often when they ask me why I do the work, that's exactly why I say I do it. I said, that's the only way I can tell you. And I said, because I just know that I bring love to the environment. And I was like, and even though some may feel that's an oversimplification, I said, I tell you, that's really all I'm doing. I was like, how else can I sit here and engage with you? Knowing that a lot of people who willingly don't want to do this or Mm -hmm. they are unaware of their own um, you know, how they're complicit, or they're aware, they just don't want it to change for them. Mm-hmm. Then I go, how do you, and when you see it, you know, when you watch it, you're like, how else could I sit here and work with you if I if I wasn't doing it, you, you, yeah. you, you know, like I gotta love, it. you know, and then, and then if my ego's not in it, you know, as you said, and I'm either taking hits every so often, but not all the time, you know, because we can get smooth to dodge it, yeah. but I'm here, I see it coming. And the fact that, and you, and you look at me, look at you going, I know what you're getting ready to do, <laughs> you know. And, and and I feel like you like I said, after doing this for like, you know, two decades, that that, that is how I feel. I feel like now we can I think through love, your are uh, you know how they say hindsight's 2020. Mm-hmm. Your insight and your foresight can also be the same. Cause you can mm-hmm. you can see things coming before mm-hmm. it come like, oh, they're getting ready to do that thing. Oh, yeah. they're,
0: getting ready to, yeah. oh they're getting ready to discriminate.
1: Yeah. Marcelo, I see it yeah. coming, it's coming, it's yeah. coming, you know. And yeah. then how do I move?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, uh well look, uh as I you know, um I, I appreciate you for your time. You know, we're kinda like at our time mm-hmm. and I just wanna check with you and ask, is there anything, because you answered all of the questions, you know, that yeah. I had. Is there any mm-hmm. final um, you know, uh, you know, thing that you would like us to, you yeah. know, go home with? You know, the, the founder of Jedi Heart, everyone, you know, yeah. who does it through love? You know, how there's something you'd like for us to have.
0: Yeah, um well, well one one thing I, I just wanna give a quick uh, shout out to if you saw on the jediheart.com uh, homepage was, is a um, report uh, that I recently wrote within the last end of last year called transforming a movement how foundation foundations can support effective diversity equity inclusion capacity building efforts specifically in an environmental Organizations. so so the main audience is our foundations and, and though there's a lot there for staff of color mm-hmm. um, insights Powerful quotes from staff of color. I interviewed over 40 staff of color. I interviewed over 20 DEI point people. So there's a lot of uh, recommendations and pointers for DEI point people, and as well as leaders, uh, which Mm -hmm. was an area that uh, that I didn't interview, but became a huge, really strong theme from from funders, from DEI point people, and staff of color, the, the strong role that um, leaders can play, uh, and that—and that's one thing that I've been, been doing more intentional work around—is coaching uh, leaders in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to give a shout out for that um, for that uh, report. Um, and speaking of my daughter, she did the artwork on the on the cover. Oh, good uh, job! Oh, wow! Yeah, and it's actually it's actually her that's looking out into the distance. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, here okay. just, I'll just show you real quick. Yeah. Because um, I I got to you got to brag about you know you got to brag about you your, your, your brag children. About children. Yeah. So yeah, so this is her. her it was her first uh, kind of digital kind of. She's she's really this beautiful artist, and she mainly does um, pr- um, faces. Yeah, this is her first time she actually did a digital and it's just ridiculous. It's so good. I love it. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, so. good, good, good job, leader.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm trying, to see. I'm trying to see if I can use any
1: of these uh, reactions. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, nice. I just, I just, I just put up the, you know, thumbs up. Yes. Nice.
0: <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, wow. Yes. So, um, so I want to give a shout out for that. There's a lot, lot of, lot of information there. So I encourage people to, to, to tap and, into that and also give and, give and i've used
1: it too just to let you know i've read it and used sweet. it so i can attest that it's, it's actually helpful people yeah, yeah. Uh, you know you can apply it it even gives you yeah you know, I, I, I definitely like a lot of the quotes because really to me it's people telling yeah. you their
0: experience like i said you can see things coming now like after reading this yeah and there's and there's data in there so mm-hmm. so to support mm-hmm. for the people who need data to to say, hey, to people me. of color are having a bad experience. Okay, here's some data to show you that they are, right? Right. Um, right. I'm so, not making um, this up. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I wanted to share that, and then you asked me. I think you asked me, kind of like, what are some words of wisdom or some things to to share as we close out. Um, mm-hmm. You know I, for, first yeah I just remind to remind people that that to uh, the, the love piece and you could build skills around love, especially this agape love, which is love your enemy, that's a hard thing to do and mm-hmm. and um and a lot of that a lot of that is demonstrating and showing your love through behaviors because it's hard to bring an emotional love, right. Mm-hmm. to like, I right, don't right. this person who's mistreating me, but mm-hmm. I could love, th- I could make them feel loved by doing like listening, giving quality time, mm-hmm. um, really listening to see what's at the heart of the matter. The words may not be fully there or fully formed or maybe offensive, but internally, mm-hmm. yeah, but they just don't have the wherewithal or the um, the skills to be able to talk about what they might be feeling. So how can I connect to that, that inner space in a way that I'm showing them and I see them and I hear them and I hear their struggle and I'm gonna support them. So, so, you know, that's one thing. And then, um, you know, one, one of my favorite sayings, In actually I have a couple of favorite sayings, but one of my favorite <laughs> sayings is um, it's an African proverb as uh, really applicable to this work. Um, it okay. says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go, for, go, far, go, go far, go together. And it's so applicable yeah. to this work. It's like if you go off on your own and do this work, like especially as an individual, in an organization, mm-hmm. you might grow individually but the organization isn't there with you so um how do we slow down move forward with our arms wrapped wide as muhammad ali's uh quote is is me Me, we we, right how how are we how how do i do my work and who am i in this work and how am i interconnected with the we as we Mm. move move forward and and there's Mm. so many things we could bring that's interconnected with nature and ecosystems that are are all interconnected and why they're higher productive is, and why there's biodiversity is, is there needs to be a diversity to, to have these healthy ecosystems. When there's monocultures, it's not, uh, it's not healthy. And it's it's Mm -hmm. the same thing with our movement. So if, if we Mm -hmm. found some success with a, mainly a monoculture over the Mm -hmm. years, Mm -hmm. great. There's some success, but that's, we're that's only the mid-level if we're really being diverse with the human diversity and have a healthy movement it -hmm. should be integrated like the environmental protection will be integrated everywhere in everything we do Mm -hmm. and that's again the promise of doing this diversity equity inclusion work and really speaking and in and loving people as we're as the work is loving the earth and loving we bring that love more holistically and we're gonna (laughs) we're going to see and achieve way more than we've ever dreamed of. Oh yes.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I believe that. Uh, I agree with that and I want to thank you for your time today. Mm-hmm. Uh thank you for uh you know for for the education, you know, the life lessons and for also opening up, you know, and sharing mm-hmm. uh, you know some things about yourself. And everyone uh, as you're listening, you know, as as I said, I know it's definitely a challenging time that we're in, but we're going to continue to you know uh provide uh you know, some uplifting um, engagements. And, and I think that Marcelo was definitely uh, my uh, an ultimate example and, uh, you know, our first time, you know, doing this. So mm-hmm. I thank you for your time, Lita. Thank you for uh, thank for your, you. you know, your energy and your willingness to, you know, continue That's to do something.
0: this work. Yeah, this just wanted to give you a big, big, props and big thank you dr easley i really 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 appreciate you bringing me on a great great work and continue to do the the incredible work with the heart heartwood podcast i'll be uh, i'll be tuning in for for future fu- future future um i was gonna curse i don't want to curse future awesome people <laughs> uh, um uh, 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 yeah. future awesome people who are on the on the on the um, <laughs> podcast. Appreciate so thank, it.
1: Thanks for being part of that number of future awesome people. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: all right, everyone. Well, we'll be back with you all soon. And uh, you all take care and give care as well. Hardwood is a production of the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies in New Haven, Connecticut. Our producer, engineer, and editor is Chris Perkins, a joint degree student between both the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies as well as the Yale School of Management, where he is getting a Master's of Environmental Management and a Master's in Business Administration. I am Thomas Richard Easley. We'll see you next time. Thank you.